What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Thanks for tuning into the show today. We're excited to have you. Welcome back. I'm Dean. I'm Zach. What's up, everybody? Yes. We're excited Excited to share this episode. We sat down with uh, really quite a creative person who is exploring, you know, some pretty important themes uh, in her work. We, we caught up with uh, Suman Condola today and talked with her, pro- talked with her about her project, um, The Identity of Wellness, which is a film that you can see and uh, check it out. You can check out identityofwellness.com to find it there or Identity of Wellness on Instagram. But she's really exploring uh, how colonization and capitalization happen in the wellness industry. Which, like, I mean, I guess we're kind of, like, part of or adjacent to. I mean, you have, like, the juice truck, which is, like, a health and wellness kind of, like, food shop. And then, obviously, for us here, with A Little More Good, we always want to be exploring themes of, like, being well. Um, And we can't separate the fact that we do so in our, like, male, privileged white bodies, right? And so, looking at how we take up space and all this. It was just like a really, really important kind of eye-opening conversation. And um, the work that Suman is doing is is super important. So we're great, grateful to be able to catch up with her today. Yeah, she's an inspiring individual. Um, we get into the identity of wellness that you mentioned, Dean. We, we talk a little bit about cancel culture, you know, calling in versus canceling, the evolution of the wellness scene, routines and habits, um, Suman's also a coach that helps individuals build mindsets, habits, and routines for a mindful life. Uh, we get a lot of in, into her habits from, uh, you know, her, her exercise to, to her own mindfulness routines. Uh, she, she's a go-getter, man. She's got, she's got spirit. She's got ambition. And, uh, you know, she's just gonna, she's on a path of kind of greatness, I would say. You know, there's a between her own personal projects and the businesses that she's involved in. Like she's, she's getting, getting at it and uh, achieving some greatness. So it was really exciting to be able to connect and, and talk about the identity of, of the wellness scene, the community kind of the origins and, and appropriation and colonization and all these important things, but as well uh, kind of dialing into our own personal mindset and habits and routines to, to kind of uh, cultivate mindfulness in our own life. So um, be sure to check out Suman on her on her own channels. Uh, you can find her at I am Suman Candola. Um, you can also check out her, as you mentioned, her her amazing film, which you can find at CBC Gem mm-hmm. Identity of Wellness. Follow her at Coach with Suman. Um, she's the creator of Exo and Hustle. All sorts of goodness, and on her, on her personal IG, she's always sharing tidbits of all the projects she's working on and little nuggets of inspiration. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. For me, it was very much like a a part one. Yes, I'm ready for for part two, and I'm yeah. sure that will come soon enough. Yes, well, no doubt. I mean, she's such an incredible person, and always kind of uh, the ever the creator and looking into things and creating uh, and sharing art and content, and so there'll be. There'll be no shortage of things to chat with her about again in the future. And um, yeah, it definitely felt like a part one of, you know, a few potentially conversations coming down the line. So we know you're going to enjoy it. Um, If you do, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And ultimately, we really appreciate it. Share with a friend, someone who may be inspired um, 
challenged by the idea of like wellness having an identity and what that means for different people in the space. Um, but these are important conversations that more of us need to hear and be thinking about and be open to receive and be part of. So share this with a friend who, you know, loves yoga or meditation or participating in anything that is like kind of wellness related and, and, um, spread the message, spread what the work that Suman's doing, because it is really important work. And we're grateful to be able to host this conversation and, and hopefully be a part of, uh, just some positive impact in this world of ours. There we go. Grateful for Suman and her work. Before this episode rolls, on to this week's sponsors. This week, we're proud to be sponsored by AG1. We, uh, we love AG1. We drink it every day. It's just that uh, kind of classic morning ritual, simple hack that you can do that uh, you know is doing a tremendous amount of good for your body. I mean, by both of us, Zach, we've tried so many different types of supplements and you know, experimenting with different things, but AG1 is kind of like one solution to support the whole body and to support whole body health, which is great. Um, I really noticed, like drinking it, that um, my my hair and nails like seem to be growing faster, which is crazy. You just got your hair cut. I know. Cause it, and it like, it does really seem to grow faster. I think that, you know, you're just getting all of those minerals and vitamins that we often like don't get enough of or simply don't get from diet alone. Um, and it is, it's like that kind of one stop shop for everything you need to just support your health. Um, I, I love it and it tastes great. Like, it's so good. I love to shake it up in the morning. And now I've just been like pouring it into a tall like glass over ice. And it's so enjoyable. It's my drink of choice. Yeah. We talk, always talk about, you know, stacking good habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I honestly feel like starting with AG1 starts my day with my best foot forward. Feel good. Puts me in a good mood. Supports my immunity. Helps recovery. Supports my digestion. It's just kind of my all-in-one to, to make sure that um, I'm able to bring my best self forward every day. So yep. it's my favorite daily habit, AG1. Dean, how can how can our listeners make it their favorite daily habit too? That's right. You know you're going to want to get on the AG1 train with us. And if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and you'll get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out, friends. You're going to want to get on the AG1 wagon. All right. This week's episode is also brought to you by Caldera Lab. We're really excited to partner with them because we all know that first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, that's going to be the first thing someone notices and instantly either thinks you're way older than you are or you just don't care about your appearance. So show them that you do. And make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. You're going to brush your teeth today. And, you know, you want to do these things, that uh, these little habits that help in skincare is just as important as tooth care, as all that kind of stuff. So you got to have your routine dialed in. And Caldera Lab makes it so easy. They've got products that just work. They're simple and yet they're deeply effective and so clean that you could almost eat them. Uh, It's so great. There's three products you want, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate starts and ends your day. This face face wash leaves all skin types feeling refreshed. The base layer 
honestly my personal favorite, your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. Jumpstart your day full of confidence. It just feels so good on, makes my skin look good. It doesn't feel like you've got stuff on your face. It just absorbs so nicely. And then the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night, helping your skin look tight and smooth, reducing visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this magic serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. Honestly, I, I love it so much, Gene. I look forward to starting my day and ending my day with Caldera Lab. Um, and, you know, we often talk about you are what you eat, mm. but uh, your skin is your biggest organ and its appearance can say a lot about your overall health. So not only are you what you eat, but you're also what you put on your skin. And I, for one, don't want to be putting a bunch of synthetic products on my skin, knowing that's my biggest organ and my body's going to absorb all of these synthetic products, ingredients that I can't even say, pronounce, uh, you know, the ingredients. You exactly. know, if, if, you, if you don't know what they are, you probably don't want them on your skin. So when putting products on your skin, consider that natural is probably best definitely the best and really it's one minute in the morning and at night it's all it takes to reduce those wrinkles those fine lines and just to do something good for yourself feels good helps you look good let's go what more could you want all right so how how do we get uh, some caldera lab in our life Dean? there you go for our audience we have an exclusive offer and this is honestly their best offer available anywhere use more good at calderalab.com and get 20 percent off right now that's right, 20% off with the code MOREGOOD at calderalab.com. Make an unforgettable first impression that leads to the charming words, you look great, or you're looking younger these days. 20% off at Caldera Lab with the code MOREGOOD. Get after it, friends. There we go. On to this week's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. We're so excited today to uh, drop this episode and share it with you. We are joined uh, by the wonderful Suman Condola. Uh, she's a mindfulness and clarity coach, director of the Identity of Wellness film. Uh, you're a film producer. You were just telling us producer, host, where you wear so many hats, uh, director and uh, the creator of the Mindfulness Deck. So you're helping people get in touch with their, uh, their inner self, their true self. Um, and helping the world navigate, you know, we hear mindfulness all the time these days through apps and, you know, it's making its way into TV shows and stuff. Mm. People are talking about meditation. It's kind of in the vernacular of the day. Um, and yet I think a lot of people still don't really know fully what it is, fully how to do it. We often sit in judgment of, us, of ourselves. Am I doing it right? Uh, I'm thinking too much. I'm not thinking enough. What should I be thinking about? And so we're used to it, but we're also still kind of new to it, uh, especially so I think in the Western world. So I get into that with you. And you're also someone who talks a lot about colonization and our good old capitalistic system. So in the time that we have, let's touch on as much as we can and, and go as deep as we can. But thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought a, a nice place to start, uh, I think, is, I mean, as two white men operating in a, in a space of wellness, uh, we have much to learn ourselves. So grateful for for people like yourself that are, you know, setting this path of of sharing perspective and enlightenment on um, wellness in a diverse BIPOC sense, wellness for all communities and cultures, and what that looks like. Not just serving the colonial, capitalistic uh, <laughs> nature of you know 
many people that consume the space and take up a lot of the space. Yeah. Um, so as we learn de- decolonial practices, um, I think you know having resources like like your film, uh, the identity of wellness is such a, a great light to kind of illuminate. Um, many of the realities in, in the space. So I thought maybe we could start just, um, you know, often projects, you know, we create them to transform the viewer. We create them to transform, you know, a populace, but it's often us in creating them that that transforms. And I was, I'm curious just in our in our conversation leading up to the podcast, how, how did your perspective, your experience evolve, change, prior to the film and in making the film to where you kind of sit and observe now? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. Um, I think going into the film, I thought it was going to be... Going into the film, I felt very left out. So at the time, like at that inception of my life, I had been a wellness participant since I was 13 years old. Like I really remember the first yoga studio that opened up in Burnaby and I was like, oh my God, I dragged my girlfriend and I just, I did it because it was like a hot yoga studio and I was like, let's go because it, it'll it make you skinny. You know what I mean? That was my, that was my mental around yeah. But when I started the film, I was like, just really starting to realize like this doesn't actually feel like a space that is inclusive but I think I had felt that the whole time Mm -hmm. I just don't think I had the words or even the self-awareness the self-knowledge to explore that um and then that's also when I became an entrepreneur in the space so I I had already been a, a media entrepreneur but like being trying to like collaborate or um operate in the in the wellness industry as a person of color was such a different experience for me and that's when I really recognized like oh like this is a a very white dominated space but I would not call myself an expert in anything except for a question asker like expert question asker so I was like well why is that Mm -hmm. right um so like now I'm very much in understanding of like, there are many systems that are set up as to why that is, you know, like there's marketing that's worked for years. There's, Mm -hmm. um, people buy fitness. They don't necessarily want to sit in a room and meditate. Um, there's certain bodies that people are able to market much better, sell certain clothes better. So I think learning all of that was really valuable. And now I sit in it, like how do we all sit at the same room and how do we all connect with each other and understand, or at least create openness for understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a white person, I had similar observations practicing yoga um, in my younger, in my early twenties. I think it, I was never like a regular yogi. I, I did it for not the right reasons. I mean, maybe they were a valid reason, but I wanted to be more flexible. I wanted to like deal with injuries. Um, maybe some of the spiritual experiences would be a byproduct, but it was just my intention was let's stretch out these hamstrings. Um, but I, I think it took me like six or seven years of, of practicing yoga before I, I saw a South Asian leader instructing yeah. a class. Yeah. It was all and even that, like um, something that I recognize in that space of like, uh, sorry to cut you off, but it's like even in the instructor realm, mm-hmm. are those people encouraged to be instructors? So it's like, if you look at it from like, um, I'm a first generation Canadian, right? 
my parents, I'm also in a very different situation than maybe some of my friends. Like my mom, she moved here when she was three years old. My dad, when he was 13. So my mom has already acclimated a lot to this like Canadian life, but their goal was to survive. Hey, we got to make this work. So they had to do things that were a sure bet. And becoming a yoga teacher wasn't like a sure bet. Mm. It's like, what the hell is that? Right? Go be an engineer, doctor, lawyer. And I'm sure that we've heard that a million and one times. But it's like, if you don't think that you can actually thrive doing different things or you haven't seen it, then you're not going to necessarily pursue it. Mm -hmm. This is why, like, uh, the conversation started happening a lot during 2020. Like, representation matters mm -hmm. right and not just not just like in television of course there but also like at start lines of races and in different gym spaces in the fitness wellness industry in yoga studios that it's those you know young people coming in with their friend for the first time to a yoga studio for whatever the intention is get more flexible or you know lose yeah. weight or be fit or whatever but when they can come in and see someone that looks like them sounds like them talks like them is from a similar place or similar background or similar story then it gives permission like oh mm -hmm. i can do this mm -hmm. but when it's kind of exclusively one demographic of people you're like oh okay that's i'll take the class but like you wouldn't even necessarily think that's something I could pursue. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, I always relate it to like the premium shelf model where it's like if you, when you have to go on your tippy toes for something and it's like when you have to go on your tippy toes for something and it's a good stretch, it's like, how can I work to get there? Mm. So that's the time put in. That's the learning how to meditate. That's the learning how to do the yoga. But there's also like the ones when there's a gate on it and it feels like, oh, how do I get through this block to then get on my tippy toes, to then get to the top of that. And I think that adds a layer of like, do I, do I even really want to do this? Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, when there's so many obstacles in your way, yeah. you're probably going to take another course. Yeah. Even if you really wanted that honey jar at the top, you know. <laughs> exactly. You're going to go find the brown sugar somewhere else because. It's just easier. It's easier. Yeah. And we can't, you know, we can pick some battles, but we can't pick them when they're everywhere. Yeah, mm. exactly. So these systems and structures, like they're ubiquitous, they're everywhere. And I think part of what is tricky about them is they're often like unseen, right? Mm -hmm. Or we, we don't fully acknowledge that there is a system there that has caused, you know, our current reality. Mm -hmm. So how do you start to kind of like work against that or chip away at it? I'm not even sure like what's the right language because it is like, it feels like a big thing, but like we need to start to tell the story of like, Hey, there are people missing from this space who like probably need to be there. Um, how have you maybe speak from your experience? Like how have you started to kind of chip away at those systems of, of, of misrepresentation in the wellness space? Yeah. Um, I think when I made my first product, so at, from a young age, my mom has always been super into spiritual spirituality and she loved tarot. And so I always loved tarot, but I loved it because it was like a, it was a, um, a heaven of like different theories, mm -hmm. right. And like different ways of looking at things. And you look at this and you're like, okay, like how do you explain this concept? And so I used it as a way to really understand myself. And when I had created my mindfulness deck, I used it with the undertone of tarot. So the idea of picking a card and getting a message, but then creating a deck full of wellness tools. And through that process, I was like, what is one of the coolest things that we have in Vancouver is that 
we I can tell the difference between a Japanese girl, a Filipino girl, right? Like a, a girl from Thailand, a, a Punjabi girl, a Hindu girl. Like it's like we have so much access, so many so much access to so many different cultures, and that was huge for me. And when I started thinking about art, I was like, there's a lot of Indian art where you see, like, for instance, an Indian woman represented with a bindi or like with like um, the nose ring. But the nose ring is like historically only when you get married. But it's always we're always represented in this like one dimensional way. And so that's how I originally started to chip away at that. Um, but then I look at like these other systems, these other places where I'm like, how do you chip away at this? I think it's like a lot more of asking the right questions, really understanding your audience, like why are they here? And then doing your due diligence. If you're going to be the person who's holding the space, do you really know what space you're holding? I wouldn't go to a doctor who doesn't know like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, if I'm going to a yoga studio, teach me like, what is a restorative practice? What is an active practice? A lot of us have probably just done active practices, but Yoga is a lot more in that restorative, somatic. Like I didn't even know what somatic meant until I did this film. And I was like, wow, this is why like you can go to counseling your whole life and talk your butt off, but you don't really heal because mm -hmm. it's still in your body, mm -hmm. right? Like I've gotten in a car accident and uh, I got rear-ended and I didn't see it coming. And sometimes I'll be at a red light and I still feel it in my body. Wow. But I'm like, okay, like that's a somatic thing. I can talk to somebody about that as much as I want. But if I actually use these tools, how they're meant to be used, then I can heal that and I can process that in my body. Yeah, I believe that as well. We had um, Dr. Russell Kennedy on the pod previously and... He teaches about trauma and anxiety, how, you know, we spend so much time trying to heal it from uh, from the head up mm -hmm. when really we need to heal it from the head down because we experience these things in our body. So trying to find where they exist in our body, yeah. what triggered them and try to to heal it through that way. But um, that, that makes me think of this one other thing where it's like a big thing that I learned through this journey was also like trusting your body. Mm. So it's like, let's say you have uh, the, these group of people who want to go to this space and then they're going and there's all different types of like, oh, I don't feel like I belong. Like, I don't feel like my body belongs. I don't feel like I ethnically belong. I sexually belong. And so you have all these barriers. You're not feeling comfortable in your body. So you're not always trusting what your body's also telling you. So it's like, how are you going to create a healthy relationship with yourself if you don't even trust your own emotional intelligence? Right. So there's like so many uh, ways to then like build that muscle. How do we trust ourselves head down? So it's like if I was sitting here and my body was like mm, closing up, maybe I shouldn't be having this podcast right now. But like that's my body, like my intuition speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do we how have you experienced growing that muscle, growing that intuition, that trust for your body, that trust for yourself? You know what? Um very lucky. My best friend became a yoga instructor. And so throughout the pandemic, I actually did one-to-one -one yoga with her. And I think having a space where I was 
able to actually understand what I was doing. Like the way that she teaches is very much like, um, we are doing this pose because of this and it helps heal that. And just remember, you can always come back to your breath, even understanding what breath is and that you always have access to it. Mm. Um, is so amazing. But I think for me, one of the biggest ways that I started to heal my relationship with my body is to to um, actually spend time with my body, intentional time with my body. So whether that's a stretch, whether that's a walk, whether that's just honestly like, like if you're anxious and just like rubbing your hand, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how do I actually sit with myself, allow these emotions to go through my, like my body and then not, tell myself I'm crazy because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One thing I've been working on myself is like, so I've got two, two young boys and you know, they're not rational, just like my brain can be totally irrational. So yeah. I try to, when I can have the composure or the pause or the space to kind of talk to myself the same way that mm-hmm. I would my kids. Okay. Take a breath. Like let's kind of take a little bit of pause before we kind of contemplate what this means and just like have kindness and compassion for ourselves for ourselves yeah. when our minds are spiraling or are telling us something that may or may not be true. If we can kind of parent ourselves in a way, it yeah. kind of creates compassion and understanding and allows you to like, okay, like this is going to be all right. Yeah, you know? it's all good. Yeah. What has your guys' compa- self-compassion journey been like? And it's always a journey. I think that's that's it. Like I'm for myself. I mean, Dean might answer differently, but uh, like, there's no destination. It's continually learning kindness to myself, to my community, to my family, um, and how that can show up in multitudes of ways. But usually, it's it's in pause. Like mm-hmm. if I feel upset towards myself or my wife or my kids, like if I just react, I'm not going to be my best self. So trying to train the habit of breathe, take pause. Okay, now let's try to figure out what's going on here. But if I just react, it's usually like... Respond and not react. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I just respond, I'm like, hey, you know, quit beating your brother. Nobody's happy. Yeah, it just leads to like tears and times out, timeouts, and nobody's happy, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I think uh, I right away go to like the kind of how I, how I view myself like physically uh, and being like someone who is a, a runner for a long time, but being like a large, like a big person, mm-hmm. I always felt like I didn't belong like running because I was like too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was interesting because I would run. I remember I, early last spring I had this moment where I ran and I ran like a really, really fast 10K and it felt really good. And I was like, man, I like, that was awesome. And I felt really good in my body. And then I came home and I was getting like getting ready to just jump in the shower and I'd like take it off my shirt. So I was just in my running shorts. And then I was like, ah, I'm like, just felt so bad about myself because I was like bigger than I should have been mm-hmm. in some made up aesthetic. Yeah, should. Right? Exactly. Compared to what? <laughs> and I started like I started like shitting on myself, being like, ah, you know, you just, I wish I should be like leaner. I need to get leaner. I need to da-da-da. And then it completely unraveled like this amazing run that you had yeah yeah and it was like what the heck like who cares my body's physically amazing like i just did this run that like people would be like wow that's amazing good for you like that's a great time for a 10k and i'm so quickly forgotten uh, how good that felt and now i'm just like putting kind of the shame on and being like i'm too big though Mm -hmm. um 
And so that's something that I've, you know, I've struggled with before is like that kind of like body image stuff and wanting to move into a space where I can just like accept and be happy that I'm like a healthy, able-bodied human being. Yeah. And when you guys say like, okay, how do we start doing that? Uh, Like, how do we start doing this work? It's like, it's that it's going into our belief systems and like, why do we believe what we believe Mm -hmm. and how, like, uh, I really love the concept of like, we're computer programs and we, this is just a program that's programmed into us. And so how do we switch the program? Update that software. Right. Update the software. And it's like, that that whole idea of like I'm not good enough or I should look like this or like going right to your reaction that's like old programming and something that somebody else taught us and it's not actually our choice mm. you know so yeah that's really helpful um, I'm curious would that be the same because that's like kind of internalized and we get that from external factors right they can people can tell us or you should be this or I look at my Instagram algorithm of people that I follow running and they're like a lot thinner than me right mm-hmm. so you get this kind of script given to you that this is what it ought to be but it's not um, what about when something happens to you like you know you mentioned a car accident or some other form of trauma like how is that the same way like can we go into that and then kind of start to unravel that or work against it and say, okay, what happened to you? Like uh, Dr. Gabor Gabor Mate has this book, The Myth of Normal, where it's like what happened to you is not who you are. It's something that happened to you. Mm -hmm. How do we like unravel maybe some of those things that are more traumatic events that happen to us, but we play that script of like, this happened to me, therefore I am bad, I am this or whatever. Yeah, that kind of sounds like the unraveling of the victim. Um, and like that, that whole identity of the victim and like, like I can say, oh, let's use a car accident as an example. It's a light example, but it's like, okay, I didn't see it coming and then I got hit. And now, you know, I was actually lifting a lot of weight at the gym at that time. And I couldn't even like lift 15 pounds after that. And I was so frustrated, but I'm like, how, like, what is this? Like, what is this pause or this slowdown that I've been granted? And I think that, like, I wouldn't have had the ability to look at it like that before, but it's like, I would explore more of where does that victimhood come from? So, like, when did you, and it all goes back to, like, when you were a kid, right? And that's why, like, you guys being parents, I'm like, yo, it's like, start (laughs) the therapy fund now, (laughs) you know? know. And it's like, you can be so well-meaning and it could just be like, Oh, you yeah. don't even know like w- how they conceptualize that, right? I, lo- I love that. Before you answer, I just want to like plug this thought, like start the therapy fund now. Like we all save up for our kids' college yeah. funds. Yeah. Like therapy, we need to start yeah. saving up for the therapy fund so they can like, no matter how kind or good that we attempt to be, there's trauma, there's damage, oh, there's yeah. there's anxiety triggers that we're planting seeds of, you know, that will take a lifetime yeah. unravel. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for plugging that. Yeah. I, I got to set up a new bank account now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes me like my girlfriend. She was, uh, her, her son was just driving her absolutely nuts. And then she, I, she just got to her wits end. She was just like, okay. And he, she's like, I saw his face just like swallow his pride. Yeah. And, it's just like in that moment, she wasn't intentionally hurting him, right? Mm-hmm. But I think like let's use that word, that intentionality of feeling like somebody's intentionally hurting you and like taking it back to like the colonization, the capitalization. I think that is a huge piece to work on mm-hmm. because back in the day, like I, I mean, I think there's levels to this shit, right? Like back in the day, I would think that like, I felt like a victim for being a person of color. I felt like a victim for being a woman in society. And 
those were hard truths to digest, navigate, and move through, but it doesn't make me a victim. And I'm not going to like be the like, quote in winners that's like, it's my superpower, <laughs> but it's like, that is my reality. And it's like, if these are the cards that I've been dealt with in this game of life, then how do I play the shit out of them? Mm, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like taking power over it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And then it puts you from victim into a position of being self-empowered. Empowered, exactly. Easier said than done, I imagine, but... Of course. And you know, there's a... I was working for a company and I had this, like, I had this direct lead and he was just not a very nice person. Like, the company had already had to hire people to have him in there and, like, try to, like, make everybody work together and he was just not a kind person. And I always felt very, this is actually where I learned about the victim victimization. And I always felt very victimized, like, oh my God, this is happening to me and whatnot. But I'm like, what in <coughs> me is, is polarizing this? There's a plus and a negative here, right? So it's like, what in me, where do I not feel enough? Where do I not feel worthy? And how can I heal that? And then don't give him the power to mm-hmm. make me feel like the victim. Mm-hmm. I like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you talk about taking away the power of someone else labeling you. And I, I, you know, I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about kids today and I, I've talked to friends about things that they feel like they can't do. And I kind of being the curious person that I am, I'll, Mm. I'll ask questions. And it always goes back to somebody at some point told them that they couldn't do something or they weren't like, you're not creative. You're not good at drawing. You know, you can't play the piano. You're not very good at it. Yeah. And like somebody else defined, put that label on them and it created their their story. Someone else was telling their story. So, you know, I think this is to, to one, bring awareness to that. Is this your story or is it somebody else putting that label on you? Mm-hmm. And if it is someone else and it's created trauma on you, like the steps to to change that story. Yeah. And and the willingness, right? Like, um, understanding like where that story originates is such a beautiful thing because it's like, maybe at that time when you wanted to play piano, you didn't think that you were good. And then that one person telling you that you weren't good justified and told, like made you feel like, Oh, my hypothesis is true. Yes. Right. And so then you just ran with that, but you have this like unfulfilled desire that like you always go back to But I I also know that like, uh, this is something that I think about a lot lately and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it is like, I don't always understand that reality because I I wonder if it's like an intrinsic thing or is it something that you're born with where it's like, you will just kind of power through, you will just go and try things. And is that like an individual thing or is that like I've been encouraged by my environment to do it? I think a few things, like I think grit speaks to that, whether that's a learned behavior or something that is intrinsically you. Like I think, you know, you can tell Michael Jordan he can't do something and he's going to put a chip on his shoulder and like until he proves you wrong, he's going to yeah. be pissed off and determined. So I think some people it drives them mm-hmm. and some people it defeats them. I think I don't, I don't know if it's parenting or or some sort of gumption that you're born with, but I think... It can go either direction. What do you think, Dean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's probably a mix of like nature and nurture to use those terms where 
uh, part of me thinks that I think there, some some of us are hardwired to see the negative mm-hmm. and see what we can't do and focus on that. Whereas there's going to be others who are like, well, I'm, I'm not the best, but I'm going to do it anyway. And yeah. I'm going to try. And so I think that part of the job of like parents or supportive adults or caring people, you know, teachers, aunties, uncles, whoever it might be, is to see a young person and to kind of acknowledge where they are. And are they someone who gets stuck in the, I can't do it. Or I'm not I'm not good enough, and then really encourage them to try anyway. And then equally with the with the child or young person who's like very open or determined or has that grit to try anything is like to help them focus on like the things that are gonna be the best things for them to focus on. Cause really like there are people in the world who are you know, the Michael Jordans, right? We we have them on the posters on our wall for a reason, right? They're kind of these superhuman figures, and I think it's They've just figured out how to focus their intention yeah. to the best result for themselves and or and hopefully for humanity, right? To give their gift back. And so I would see it's like it's it's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. And we should be nurturing we should be nurturing the nature of the kids that we have to help them become the best versions of themselves. Yeah. I think habits too, like we talk a lot about like small victories. So yeah. like if you have a system of you know, celebrating small victories or incremental wins in your life, you start to build that like base of confidence that you can defy other people's opinions. You can defy your own opinions that yeah. just like there's possibility, you know, beyond You're working each from challenge. a different framework. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about running, you know, if once you do 5k, you start to believe that 6k is possible and you can kind of, change that to whatever you're into in life. And, you know, before you know it, a marathon, something that you thought was impossible a couple months ago becomes something you're signing up for and you're getting to that start line, you know? So I think like these habits, small habits build bigger possibilities. And, and if we're finding that we're being defeated by labels or, or trauma for myself, like just building and leaning into those habits and those belief, like starting small can kind of snowball into bigger things. Yeah. I love there's Ed Milet. He has a, a phrase and it's like, when you're stressed or when you're going through a lot, you're always going to fall back on your habits and rituals. It was like a trending uh, Instagram reel as well. Um, but I love that. And that's the truth. And it's like the more that the gym becomes a part of your life or healthy eating or X that makes you feel good, it's like it's going to become your habit and your ritual. And even to that um, example of the running, it's like your intention for why you are running will change the more that you see success from it. Yes. Right? So it's like maybe you ran 10K now and you're still feeling like, oh, um, I'm judging myself because of it, but maybe you want to do 15 now. And then when you go to 20, you're like, oh, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to prove that I can run. You're doing it because it fuels you. Yeah. 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 That's like the classic thing, right? If you ask anyone who started, you know, going to the gym, they might tell you, oh yeah, I love it. Like it's good endorphins and, you know, uh, newbie gains, right. Are mm-hmm. always good. And also fitness, and then you ask the people who've been going to the gym consistently for like 10, 15 years, and eventually they'll tell you about gains and endorphins, but really it's like, I need, it's like, it's, it's my ritual. Yeah, it's like mental, it's and it's my mental health. Yeah. And it's so interesting that like, you know, you had talked earlier about like healing kind of from the, from the head down, like bringing our, our awareness into our body and healing our bodies that way. And that also like movement and using our bodies. I know certainly for me, like, 
you know, now like when I have heavy weight on my back and I'm like squatting or doing whatever it is like that, it's sure it's like the movement and it's the practice of doing it, but it's like what it gives me mentally Mm -hmm. is really the thing that keeps you going. Yeah. It's the, I can, Yeah, I can do this. Yes. Yeah. I love doing hard stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And we're, we're made for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. We're talking about habits here. And uh, one of the posts that you shared that um, really resonated with myself, uh, you shared, whatever you're not doing is also a habit. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Because that one hit for me. Because like, there's so many things that I want to do. Yeah. That just stay on my like wish list or to do list, you know. But those are my habits now, you know. Yeah. Like, well, okay. So when you say that it hit for you, why why did it hit you? Uh, because it, I think it's true, at least true for for myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think a lot of just observing, including myself in this conversation, we can live in the I want, I wish. Yeah. Instead of the I am, you know, I have um, kind of mentality. So, um, you know, I can say, you know, I want to wake up at five and see the sunrise, you know, but I don't. Yeah. You know, Dean does. Yeah. You're a 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in that window of time, depending yeah. on when I go, go to bed. Yeah, same. But definitely uh, I'm an early riser for mm. sure. I think the whole idea of like, what you don't do is your habit as well. It's like, it's just real talk. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you be really honest and real with yourself? Yes. Like that living in the I want versus living in the I am. And then it's asking yourself, like I think that's where that self-compassion piece comes back where it's like, okay, there was this girl who messaged me on Instagram and I... So my brothers and I, we used to live together and then I, I moved out and they're like, okay, how do we know if you went to the gym? And I was like, I'll post on my Instagram every day. And I was like, I'll put the timestamp. That's literally how this post began. And so I would walk to the gym and I have a very beautiful walk to the gym and I would post every single day. But I would post to kind of just be like, well, I went to the gym. Y'all better go to the gym, right? Yeah. It wasn't about anything else. And I would, I got this, I get so many messages. Like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could wake up. I wish I had a good morning routine. But this one girl... She's actually my makeup artist at the time. And she was like, um, I wish that I could wake up and go on long walks like you. And I, I just asked her, I was like, do you really? I was like, because right now you're not in the habit of doing that. But what what do you want from that experience? She's like, I just want to spend time with myself. And I was like, so how do you want to spend time with yourself, right? It's like maybe waking up and having some tea before you get on your computer is more your vibe. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I know I need to move my body first. Right. So it's like, do we like those things that you say that you want and you're in the habit of not doing them. And then you are faced with the reality of like, yo, I'm doing this to myself. Mm -hmm. And then asking yourself, well, do I really want that? Or am I just sitting in this perceptual universe of like who I think I'll be if I do that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You're, I mean, are you yourself? Are you projecting yourself onto somebody else yeah. with yeah. a very different lifestyle? Like, uh, do I just want to be Dean, you know, yeah. <laughs> waking up, seeing that sunrise or am I the tea guy? You know, I yeah. think that's a good question to ask. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, um, I think even looking at it from a different lens of like, uh, you are also like that the things you don't do are also a habit is like, well, why are you stuck? 
Mm-hmm. It's more like I'm very big on how do we create more converse, more questions and more conversation to get through the mud. Like that's the goal, right? Is like so it's like okay, if I'm not working on my business, well, why am I not working on my business? Why am I in the habit of not doing that? Yeah. Then so what would you tell yourself? I, I think that that's so different for everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I think that that's when it goes back to that belief stuff. And even in the film, I was like, I think that was one of the rawest questions I asked was letting uh, Farzana know, like, this is how I got over my victim was that meditation. And through meditation, you just, you just feel energy. And you're like, oh my God, I'm energy, you're energy, like this is energy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are just our shells, and these are the shells that we've been given with their, our unique perspectives on the world. So if that helped me heal my victimness, then can that help he- other people heal theirs? And she's like, well, no. Because, and I was like, you said no to me on camera, you know? <laughs> but it's it's true. It's, it's a no because it's like, well, yes, now you know this, but I can sit here and have all of these beliefs of like, you guys are two white guys and I'm a brown girl. And I could think that you think all these things because of all the stories that I'm told. So it's like, how do I go back to my belief systems? Why do I believe the things that I believe? Mm. What experiences have I had that have led me to believe that? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I think, um, you know, I encourage everyone to watch your, watch your film, but um, I forget the individual's name, but uh, he was shopping at like a value village or something like that. And there was an older white lady staring at him and he assumed she was projecting racist thoughts on him Yeah, and she just wanted to comment on how beautiful he was. And I I would tell you that probably every person of color has had that experience Mm -hmm. where somebody is genuinely just admiring them, Mm -hmm. but you feel so racially attacked. Mm -hmm. Like there's times where I feel like certain people have talked to me in certain ways just because I'm brown. And like, uh, or like, I, so I, uh, I grew up in Burnaby, mm-hmm. but then I moved away to Victoria for school. And in that time that I was away, my mom moved to Surrey. And, um, so when I moved back from Victoria, I lived at home for a little bit. And I remember being in Surrey. It was a first, I never really went to Surrey. And so it's like, it was the first time that I was out there. And I remember going to a Starbucks and this girl was so rude to me. And I'm like a really chatty person. I'm like, yo, how's your day? Whatever. And she was so unkind to me. And I was just like, it was, she was just like, well, all brown girls are bitches. And I'm like, well, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going into this perception. I'm in Surrey and I have now this perception that all brown girls from Surrey are bitches. And Mm. I'm just like, but I can debunk this in myself. I don't mm-hmm. have to now have to go to the next brown girl that I see and be like hesitant around her because I think that she's going to be unkind. So right. it's like how much of like the world around you do you actually like absorb or digest yeah, yeah, yeah. You're to taking, be your own truth? Yeah, you're taking someone else's maybe projection mm-hmm. or their like one-off negative experience Onto that they've then community. projected and said, well, they've made some generalization. Yeah. And then that becomes true for someone else. And then that becomes true for someone else. And then this is how we get stereotypes. This is how we get these cultural tropes where it's like, oh, all these people are like this. Yeah. And, and I think that's how people of color get stuck. For sure. And it's like, it's, I think that, you know, putting out the film, the part of it that made me more afraid was, as I said, that there's levels to it is like, I wasn't, I'm no longer in the ethos of like, 
I'm st- I feel stuck or like a victim. And so I think that there needs to be spaces where you where you have ownership for that, where you can freely feel that. But I hope the goal is to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think the the goal is abundance, celebration, you know, happiness, unity, unity for yeah. for everybody. Um but if we are stuck in um you know, if, if someone's listening to this and they're stuck in, in anger, resentment, and like how how do you start to unravel that that trauma? And it's like it's all of real trauma, you know, like even like thinking about that person with the older lady staring at them, it's like how were they staring at you? Were they like, mm-hmm. you know, was it voyeuristic? Was it sexualized? Was it like what was the lens that they were looking at you with? Because mm-hmm. it's like even if they were projecting this person's beautiful like I could look at you and think you're beautiful and my how I look at you could be a hundred different ways a hundred percent yeah and not all of them are welcoming or yeah you know there's this uh Chelsea Handler documentary out on Netflix right now I don't know what it's called uh but she went to a classroom in LA and it was of all people of color and she had gone there and she's like oh I want to learn about your experiences and this one guy he was just like you everyone wants to come and learn about people of color's experiences but you got to learn about your whiteness mm-hmm. and I thought that was so cool because mm-hmm. it's like as much as like what are our experiences like what is your whiteness and how has that created the society that we live in currently right in in the way that things are established um and so i recently was just doing a dei training with a wellness uh wellness uh company and the like everyone who was on camera it was on zoom everyone who was on camera was a caucasian person there was two people and i could tell by their last names that they're people of color and they stayed off camera the whole time. And it's like that anger, that resentment, all those feelings. Sometimes it's also overwhelming to be so seen mm-hmm. and to feel like, like you already feel like you're this person in this glass box that everyone's looking at you. Yes. Like I remember being kid, a kid and being called Smelly Suman because I took curry to school, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like from that to now, like, oh, tell us how to how to fix the world. It's like... I don't know, fix yourself. Like it's something that it's Mm. like, unless this environment was welcoming, then maybe I would go to another environment and see if that's well. It's like, we all got to work on ourselves and you guys have kids, right? So it's like, and then it's like, how do we raise the next generation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is the biggest job in the world. For sure, yeah. Because it's like the invisible. I think that's such a good point that that, uh, you you brought up, like that, that that person said. Because it's like the invisible whiteness that creates the scenario for people of color to have the quote unquote experiences. Tell me about your experiences. Yes. It's like, well, I'm only having these because of what's the norm. Again, air quotes, the norm out there, yeah. right? And it's like we need to start owning and adjusting the norm to being something that isn't othering people of color, yeah. right? Or you know, even just like different uh, gender just different sexuality. In exactly, letting yeah. people be who they are. And that if it's different, that doesn't mean bad or wrong, 
but that's a lot of work, right? And that's where I think I, I feel like we we're coming into that awareness, right? Again, like kind of through 2020, we saw lots of like global movements of people starting to say like, yo, I think enough is enough. Like how many more people have to get killed for us to start talking about like racial justice, right? And it's like a that was kind of centered in the United States, mm-hmm. but it's still happening like every day. Everywhere. Every day and everywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, a great book that, New York Times bestseller, White Fragility, great. And a lot of people read it, but like, what did it actually do? Mm-hmm. What have people started to examine what it is for them and how they can be better? And that kind of goes into like new age racism where it's like, maybe um, I say, this goes like into also like how we're now so perceived. It's like in this group, I'll say like, oh yeah, like everyone's welcome. But then in my close circle, I might say how I actually feel. And that internalized racism is in every culture, right? It's like um, in Indian communities, there's also a caste system. And it's like there's there's internalized racism, racism that way. There's external racism towards other races. And it's like, I think it's a natural thing where it's like, we're gonna flock together with the people that feel like are heard. But I don't think that the world is gonna function that way anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I I learned a term yesterday, woke fishing. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I didn't realize what it was, but it's like when you pretend to be like more woke than you are to like court someone, and you just like agree with all their ideas. I'm like, what is our world like? Why can't why can't people just actually like be kind and open and perceptive to difference and not just pretend that you are to like date someone? Yeah, but I think that that also goes to like. Um, this is how I will then be liked, right? So then mm. that goes back to that self-hatred. Mm. So it's like, even you're asking me about this, like uh, the low vibration feelings of like anger, frustration, all those things. And I'm thinking like, what actually gets you to a place of healing? It's like, it's a conglomerate of things. Like some people might find that one thing that's like, oh, this taught me that. But I'm like, no, that was like five Tony Robin like seminars and like then like a landmark seminar and like seven books and it's just like it's an accumulation of knowledge and it's over time mm-hmm. and that's why I think your community is so powerful mm-hmm. uh, one thing I was thinking about um, while I was just listening to the both of you this quote by Ram Das that I really like that I think it's relevant to this conversation uh, he said I can do nothing for you but work on myself you can do nothing for, for me but work on yourself and I think like if we stop projecting mm-hmm. and well stop projecting outwardly and project inwardly maybe instead of that's how you know, we make the world a better place yes yeah. yes and one other th- like just a resource that I want to share uh, one podcast that I really found enlightening for myself very eye openings um from seen on radio called seeing white it's a a 14 part documentary series exploring whiteness in america and it's like uh it's fascinating it's just like the construct of of whiteness how it was created to create social divide like what we now understand as Mm. colonialism and capitalism and and basically just power but um it was it's a very interesting docu-series what what was what has the like i mean this is like could be its own podcast but like what has the experience been for like you guys because i feel like it's almost like reverse in certain ways Mm. and and i don't mean that from like a historical ancestral Mm -hmm. place but just like a let's say social dynamic place is like almost like the white man Mm. is the most hated man Hmm. in the world 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's like headlines like that, but yeah. there's still so much privilege with being a white man that it's like, okay, maybe you t- like some privilege was taken away, but like there's so much stacked still in our favor that there's not there's not equality. So mm-hmm. like I think there's so much to work to do still. Like yeah. I think there's I'm very aware of like walking into situations and and having privilege, like um, mm. you know whether it's walking into a bank or like raising money for a business or whatnot. Like I have friends that are are not white or male that have similar businesses mm-hmm. that have a hard time getting money from a bank. You know we haven't had that situation, so it's like like those are like small examples, but yeah. there there are you still have a lot of scope. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I think it's fine yeah. being yeah. a white person. I, I mean, I think where we'd like to, where I'd like to get is, I, as someone that's curious, um, I like to ask a lot of questions and learn about other people's culture and have engaged in conversation. And this is maybe my own insecurity of, of saying something wrong uh, in curiosity, mm-hmm. but I'd like to get to a point where we can all be curious about other people's cultures and communities, and hopefully that can like elevate our understanding, our compassion, our connection, um, so that there's not like a risk of of saying something incorrectly, but well intentioned and being canceled or or just kind of that door closing. Um, I, I'd love to be in a place where we can all share. Yeah, where we can all chat and not think that we're going to like dehumanize the person on the other side of the table. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then you can be wrong and make a mistake. But if it's from a place like that's where I hear you, like from a place of genuine curiosity and wanting to be better, mm-hmm. that it's not going to cost you, you know, yeah, your whatever, like your social your job. Uh, clout or your job yeah. or whatever. Because th- there are cases and places where people are just out and out like, it's it's bigotry or it's racism yeah. and like I think that you can tell like and that needs to be called out to say like that's not okay. Um, I still don't know if like canceling a person uh, fixes the problem. Maybe it makes someone think twice about saying something publicly, but it doesn't change their views. They'll still have those views, but they'll just be quiet about them. They may not tweet them the same way. And I think ultimately, if we're going to move forward as a society, we want people to change harmful, hurtful views, mm. not just like share them with a closer circle and having right. and having the right friends like shout out to our friend uh navi Gill. like yeah. she always calls me in you know like anytime mm-hmm. i say something that's like privileged or just like coming from a like a colonial standpoint she'll like text me and just be like bro yeah, yeah. And, and she'll like you know i keep leveling up because of friends like that yeah uh, my understanding my compassion mm-hmm. um and that's the power of relationship yes and yeah. if you don't ever meet people who are different from you who see the world different from you who have a different experience of the world from you that can speak and say hang on like hang on white guy yes. like this is my experience right and, and i'm grateful i can i can think of times in my own life when people have said things and i've been like what and they're like well yeah you wouldn't have to think about that and i'm mm-hmm. like Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Of course. Oh my god! And it like opens your eyes, and then you see the world differently. You then you learn know more. Something. Yeah, and you know more. And yeah. we always say like, know better, do better, do better yes. or know better, and be better. And so if that's like something that you're committed to, we're gonna help move the whole thing forward. I mean, yeah, I I can't think of a time where I felt victimized for being a white male. Yeah, yeah. cisgender, heterosexual yeah. white male. 
middle-aged, able-bodied. Like we often say, like I, that we're, we're we're the top of the privilege pile, mm-hmm. and I think that knowing that is one step. That then, is such an interesting experience. Yeah, go on. And then the step two after that is like, so now that you know, what are you going to do? And so how, one thing I often think about is like, how can I spend the privilege that I have to afford other people uh, opportunities that that maybe they wouldn't be able to have if they weren't me? Mm-hmm. And then how do I do that in a non-colonial patronizing, hey, I've got all this privilege, like let me just help you because I can give it away, like paternalistic kind of way, but in a genuine like, can I step back and listen? And if there's something I can do for you, can I do it for you? Because I think I can because of all of this privilege that I have, but not just being like, I have privilege and I'm going to give it to you because you don't have enough. And you're like, (laughs) I don't want it. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's so nuanced. I think you have to pay attention and you have to be willing to be wrong and be okay. Like maybe looking dumb or being embarrassed or being told by someone, yo, that was, you shouldn't have done that. That was kind of low key racist. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And understanding that like we can make mistakes, but that to me coming back to that intention is so important. And you you can't know that about someone unless you know them. Yeah. There has to be safe. Like you're saying with your friend, like she has to feel safe to be able to text you that, Mm -hmm. right? Like that you're not going to take it in the wrong way. And that, that intention, it makes me think a lot about money and it's like how people spend their money. And it's like, uh, I don't like to use good and bad, but it's like, if your intention is to do good, you will do good the more it's amplified. If your intention is to do bad, you will do worse the more it's amplified, even though that money is a neutral frequency. I love that. We're all about the energy of the currency. Yeah. Okay, um, I know we have to be mindful of time and, um, you know, I think this this will be a part one of uh, a conversation and we, you know, full-heartedly hope to have you back for a second conversation. Thank you. I've got kind of two questions as we wrap up here. Um, we have a closing question that, you know, Dean asked everybody as we kind of wind this up. But you brought up one interesting thing. We're talking a little bit about, about cancel culture and before we close it out, uh, you mentioned something that I, I hadn't considered, that there's a shift in cancel culture with AI. And mm-hmm. I, th- I thought maybe before we close it out, you could just shine a little bit of light on that. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking a lot about cancel culture and how like we do just completely like um, shut down people if they say the wrong thing. And then now you think a lot about these like deep fake videos. And you're like, what am I watching that's actually real, mm-hmm. right? And in, in the marketing world, I can like see how certain in certain ways it's going to help you build your brand and and all that. But it lacks soul. Like me and being here on your podcast, this is real soul versus you guys just AIing me into this combo, yeah. right? But it's like, so with AI on a rise, it's like you can quote unquote create things that would quote unquote cancel somebody. But it's like, how do you actually believe that? And will the shift towards canceling people for these digital things change? Like, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I hope I hope uh, that there's not a case where someone is canceled and it is like a deep fake. Um, but I, the power I think, of perception is strong. Mm-hmm. I think it's it hard to erase. Like, there's this great. Norwegian movie. I'll put in the show notes. I can't think about it, what it was, but there was this guy that was a kindergarten teacher and his, his, this five-year-old girl really loved him, really looked up to him. And one day she didn't get the attention and she was really upset and 
she said she went home and was upset and said to her parents that, uh, you know, my teacher did something inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then word spread through the small community, and all of a sudden this, this teacher who was celebrated was a pedophile, mm-hmm. even though he, it was only because he didn't give this girl his attention. Mm-hmm. Even the, In the end of the movie... It's disproved, you know, she admits that she made it all up and lied, but the damage had been done. So the perception of how the community saw this guy, even though it was fake news, wasn't real. Um, You know, he was no longer welcome. You're like taking your own personal experiences maybe with that person and like, oh, maybe he was being creepy at that time. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the power of it. I think that uh, there's enough kind of like counter technology that they could say, no, 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 here's how we know that this video is fake. Mm-hmm. But in people's minds now, that, let's say, presidential candidate or that person is no longer a trustworthy person. Because mm-hmm. even uh, even though we they, they said it was AI, but See, still though, he's kind of, look at that other thing, he's like, kind of creepy or she's kind of, I think she's evil. Like look at, And so the damage can be done irreversibly yeah. with that kind of stuff. And I mean, even to go on a grander scale, like... You have world leaders who are maybe, you know, not the most stable individuals. We've seen it happen before. I'm sure we'll see it happen again. And there's like AI deep fake of such 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 and such world leaders saying something dramatic about what they're going to do to the other country. And before it can get disproven or debunked, so-and-so is reacting and we're on the brink of some sort of major calamity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds hyperbolic but i feel like it's not outside of the realm of what's possible but yeah what do you think i agree i think that there's this like i think that perception is a lot and this idea of like um people can get debunked like the world is like in a place where i don't think we trust the same way that we used to trust and then even like with after like the covid era it's like I don't think we believe, like, you know, when you go to New York and you're like, oh my God, I can be anything. And it's like, now it's like, this is a lot of stuff. You know (laughs) what I mean? It's like, I still love New York, but it doesn't feel like the excitement of the world and like what's to come is like, it's, it's different. And I think that when it comes to AI and and canceling people, it's like, I think that it's how do we regain trust in humanity and which with individuals, mm. yeah, individuals. It all goes back it to individuals. Back to that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. See what do you say? See the forest for the trees. Yeah. You know, if we, if I think if we can connect with individuals, see them, hear them, mm-hmm. be hold, with them, be with them. I think so, a lot of these issues to solve. Yeah. All right, Suman. So, I'm so grateful for for you for your curiosity for the the space that you hold and Thank and you. how you illuminate you know, a path of, of hope and possibility and, and kind of poke holes in, in many of the issues that have, you know, brought forth systems that need change. Um, you know, I encourage you to, to keep walking that path and, and we'll keep following it. Thank you. Uh, as we wrap this up, uh, you know, we have a closing question that uh, Dean will, will bring us home to. Yes, yes. So we uh, created this podcast because we wanted to do exactly this, have really inspiring conversations with curious people and people who are on the path to, you know, increasing their vibration and being better versions of themselves. Um, we call it a little more good because mm-hmm. that's like what we want to see and do and be in this world. But we love to hear from our guests. Like, what does that phrase, that little sentence mean to you? A little more good. Mm. It kind of like when I first read the title, it kind of made me feel like 
you know when you bite into an apple and it tastes really good? It's just like, like it feels good to feel good. Mm-hmm. Like allow yourself to be in joy, you know? I love it. Yeah. What, a, what a beautiful invitation. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much for your time, for your work. Thanks, this was guys. excellent. Well, there you have it. We know a little bit more about Sue Gondola. We know a little bit about the identity of wellness, and we look forward to getting to know more and hearing more with her in future conversations. But for the time being, that will have to suffice, and there's plenty of good tidbits and takeaways in that conversation. If you enjoyed this conversation, we are so grateful for any shares. Share it with a friend, neighbor, somebody that you think can benefit from this conversation. And the best way for us to to spread the word and spread more goodness is uh, through likes and reviews and follows wherever you're tuning in, Apple, Spotify. Uh, We're so grateful and appreciate uh, any reviews and follows so that we can spread the goodness just a little further. So thank thank you all for tuning in, and we look forward to checking in with you all next week. That's right. Stay good, y'all.